If you see, you see Krishna right there, he's in Vrindavan, there's so many cowherd boys. Or here in Dwarka, there are so many people. So if you see in a group of people, another Prime Minister, you don't know who the Prime Minister is just by seeing him. But what are his activities? Someone is called a hero. Why is he a hero? Just by looking at him, you can't understand that he's a hero. But by hearing about his activity, just like you see, thrown in the corner here, there's some cassette cover with all the heroes of the Indian independence movement. Have you seen that? On the floor there, in the alcove. There's Netaji, Gandhiji, Azad, some different people. So if you just see their picture, if you don't know who they are, it doesn't mean anything to them. But if you know, what, why are their pictures? There's so many people of that era who are now dead. They're all dead. So why have their pictures been shown? There's so many people. Even in India at that time, the population must have been 300 million, maybe something, more than 100 million shown. So why these people have been shown? Because otherwise they look the same as others. They have two hands, two feet, two eyes, two nostrils, a mouth, hair on their head. Why are these people being chosen? Because of their extraordinary activities in gaining independence for India, the independence movement. So, even if someone said, show me God, if we see God, we may not understand just by seeing Him, that this is God. How can you understand that He is God? What are His extraordinary activities? Those you have to hear about. The residents of Dwaraka had heard about his pastimes. They hadn't seen them. They'd seen some of them. But so many pastimes he performed in Vrindavan, outside Dwaraka. They'd heard about this. And they'd heard about how he is the creator, maintainer and destroyer of the cosmos. They didn't see him do it. But they heard about it. They accepted that. And they understood that this is the personality of Godhead. So the residents of Dwaraka they have knowledge of Krishna and at the same time affection for Krishna. Here, you see they're describing it is he only who creates, maintains and annihilates the material world and yet remains unaffected. So this is a typical description from the Upanishads how Brahman is unchangeable, unchanging. Yet that Brahman, that Supreme Absolute Truth, is simultaneously the source of the cosmic manifestation. Everything comes, everything emanates from that Brahman. Janmadhyasya Yataha, the Vedanta Sutra, in summarizing the nature of the Absolute Truth. Atato Brahma Jigyasa. Now we should inquire into the nature of Brahman. What is that Brahman? It is the source of creation, maintenance, and destruction. 
So this is all based on the Upanishads. This is based on one section from the Taitariya Upanishad. Yatova imani bhutani jayante yena jatani jivanti yatpayatya vishambhishanti tadvijjigyasasva tadvrameti That is the absolute truth. That is the subject of discussion. That is the subject to be inquired into. That from which everything emanates, that in which everything rests, and that in which everything is finally annihilated by. So, what is that Brahman? Yatova, that from which. Yena, by which everything is maintained. Yatva, to which, different cases. What is that, Brahman? The source of everything, the supreme greatness. But what is that? Those who are followers of the Upanishads, they can't understand. Simply the Brahman, the supreme Brahman, the absolute truth, has been distinguished as non-different from matter. But very clearly what is the nature of that, that Brahman is not said. So, see, Brahman, that is uh, the source of everything. It is unchanging. So the, those who simply follow the Upanishads without understanding actually what is the message of the Upanishads, that that Supreme Brahman is Krishna. They presume that the Supreme Absolute Truth cannot be a person. Because you see every person, is, the Absolute Truth is distinguished from matter. And is the source of everything, in which everything rests. So if we see any person in this material world, and he's not unchanging, he's always changing. You see him always change, just like you... How can you say a person is not changing, it's not possible, because you see, now you're sitting like this, and next second you're sitting like that. One time you're in a happy mood, another time you're in an angry mood. So you're changing. So how can the Absolute Truth be a person? The Absolute Truth is unchanging. So therefore they conclude that the Absolute Truth is impersonal, which is true. But it's not, it's not the full understanding of the Absolute Truth. They deny, when they hear descriptions of the Supreme Lord as the Supreme Absolute Truth as a person, they deny it. It doesn't seem to fit. How is it that the Absolute Truth is unchanging? Have, if he's a person, of course they have so many philosophical problems themselves. Because then they say, well, how is it that the whole material world is changing? And there's nothing but Brahman, so this material world is also Brahman, and it's, everything here is changing. So how do they explain that? And then they say, well, and then, well, actually this world doesn't exist. It only appears to exist, because you see, it's all Brahman, but it's changing, so that's, that's not the nature of Brahman to change. So, uh, this, this can't actually exist. That's right. That's the conclusion. Wrong. Got it wrong. Actually, simply by the Upanishads, it's very not possible to understand Krishna. Simply by understanding. Of course, there's also Gopal Tapani, in which Krishna is clearly explained. But simply by reading, you cannot understand. Simply by reading these Upanishads, it's an interesting thing. I was just in Jaipur, so 
there's some discussion of our friend Devarshi Prabhu, who was there previously. So Ramanuja was telling me how about his astrological adventures and how he's become quite good at astrology. But I said to Ramanuja, you know, he's, he's quite, he seems to understand the theory, but everything he predicts seems to be wrong. It's a, you know, he's, he's got the idea, but everything doesn't come out right in the end. So Ramanuja is saying, yeah, that's true, that one of the best astrologers in India is in Jaipur. Of course, one of the best astrologers in India is around everyone's corner. They're all called the best astrologers in India. So, uh, he was saying that, yes, he has a good theoretical grasp of the subject, but he's never been, he's just got it from reading books. He was never trained. So he makes very, even though he's got a good theoretical understanding, when it comes to practical application, he makes very basic mistakes. And therefore, all his predictions are wrong. At least, all the ones I had anything. I heard of him. He was also, I think according to Devarshi, there should have already been a world war by now, right? Most astrologers. There should have been annihilation by now. I guess he has to recalculate again. So it's the same thing. In, people read the Upanishads, but they don't gu- get guided by Tattvadarshi. They don't, they, they read books, but they don't, they're not guided. They don't understand. They make basic mistakes. Even then, they, they may be followers of the Upanishads who are Tattvadarshis. It means they see the absolute truth, but only as the impersonal Brahman. Vadanti Tattvamidam Tattvam Yajkanam Advayam Prameti Paramatmeti Bhagavan Vishabhyate. So the, uh, those who are knowers of the truth, they may be Brahmavadis, Paramatmavadis, or Bhagavatavadis. They may understand the Absolute Truth either as fully impersonal, localized Paramatma, or as the Supreme Absolute Truth. So they may be, no, in one sense, they're Tattvadarshis, or Tattvadarshis, but they're not. They're seeing the truth, but not seeing with proper understanding. Just like if you see someone who knows the the sun, the sun, yes, the sun is the light in our room. They also know the sun, but it's very incomplete understanding. So mostly the followers of the Upanishad, those who are attracted to the Upanishad, they're mostly attracted to the Jnana Marga, in which it's all said in Yatova, what is not clearly delineated, what, what that absolute truth is. Tamishvaranam Paramam Mahishram, even the, the Supreme Controller is referred to. But who exactly it is, it's all kind of vague. And they like that. Because they don't want to surrender to Krishna. When they hear, uh, Sarvadhaman, oh, that's too simple, that's too straightforward. That's, that's for the less intelligent people. And for us, we'll, you know, tam Ishvaranam, tam exactly what is it? Tattvam asi, tat and tvam, and you see the books and books of tattvam asi they're describing. You are that. Hmm, you, what does that mean? Ah, what does that mean? That, what does that mean? And so they enjoy this mental speculation. But it doesn't bring them to the absolute truth. That's, that's for them. They can give them something to do because they've given up karma. So they've got to do something. So they enjoy speculating on the absolute truth. But they don't come to the conclusion that that 
absolute unchanging person is Krishna. How is he unchanging? Because you know, he's a young boy, then he grows up, and then he goes to Dwarka. How is he unchanging? You don't understand that that Krishna, he's several times he mentions in the Gita, they don't understand me. They don't understand me. When I appear in the uh, human form, they take me to be an ordinary person. But I am this supreme controller. Then there are so many verses like that. There's Mahatmanastumam That those who are Mahatmas, they understand me. Krishna is the supreme person. Abhyayam means unchanging, inexpendable. Abhyayam literally means that he doesn't lose, he's not losing anything by doing anything. That will be discussed in the next verse. That uh, how everything comes from Krishna, but he remains unchanged. Purnam adapurnam, purnat purnam udachate, purnasya purnamadaya purnamevavashishyate. This verse appears to the impersonalists to establish a, a oneness, that everything is simply one, complete. But that one is Krishna. They don't understand how, as the supreme transcendental person, he's not under the laws of material nature. It's like, if I, if I do something, I burn up some calories, I lose something. Or if I, as I'm living in this world, time is affecting me. But Krishna, even though he comes in this world, he's a person, but he's not affected. He doesn't lose anything or gain anything by his activities in this world. He's not under the influence of time. He's the controller of time. So you may say, well, he's changing. You see, he's a young boy and he grows up. But that he's simply using time, who is his servant, to enact his activities, his pastimes. He's not under the control of time. He's not under the Namam Karmani Limpanti, Name Karma Salais Priha. He's not affected by the results of his actions, nor does he desire the fruits of his actions. He only appears to a materialistic person to be as such, but those who are actually Tattvadarshis, they understand that he is not affected by this material world. He may say, Well, you see, there's some this uh, Gandhari. She cursed Krishna. Or you will have to... How is, what is that? She cursed him. You will also have to see all your family members destroyed. So you see materialism, you see she is affected by the curse of Gandhari. Right? Because it's because of you, she said, that all these people, all my family members died, so all your family members should die also. Actually, it's not because of Krishna that all the family members are dying, it's because they're all rascals. That was the, that's the fact. Krishna, he's, became the, he became the, actually, he's the ultimate cause of everything, but in his pastimes, he became the instrument for their destruction. Otherwise, what everyone gets, he's not, he's neutral. Samoham Saravabhutesham, he's equal to all. But our, what we get, the result of our activities, Purusha, what is that? That's we are the cause. We get a good result, we are the cause. If we get a bad result, we are also the cause. Generally, people, you see, 
if something good happens to them or some good luck and, and just see, I'm so good. Huh? Someone is, by luck he gets appointed as some big job. You see, I'm so great, therefore they appointed me. I did it so wonderfully. Huh? Well, but anything bad he does, well, that's just my, you know, just my bad luck. You know. I, he, he takes all the credit, but the blame, there's nothing to blame for. But both good and bad that happens to you, that's all up to you. Because you are Purusha. Purusha, so you are a tiny Purusha. You are given some independence as an enjoyer. It's not Krishna's fault. People blame. Anything good happens, it's, I did it. Anything bad happens, it's God's fault. He should arrange for my happiness. So Krishna, he, uh, he was not actually the cause of their destruction. They brought it among, on themselves. But Gandhari cursed him like that. So, Krishna is not affected by any curse. But anyway, that was favorable for his pastimes, because he wanted to send them all away anyway. There are so many, in every Leela of Krishna, there are so many points to be understood. So many things. Krishna does so many things in one activity. Uh, he removed the burden of the earth, the Yadu dynasty. Why are they considered a burden? Instead of a burden because we somewhat puffed up thinking Krishna is our protector. So we can't do anything wrong. You see, even someone in this, this, that refers to those who were the demigods who came from higher planets to be Yadus. So they had some material contamination still, even though they're devotees. They had some materialistic way of thinking. So you find even uh, someone may be a very saintly person, but uh, position can affect them. So they had the position as the friends of Krishna, no one could defeat them. There was power there by the grace of Krishna, they were as powerful as Krishna within the sphere of this material world. So Krishna removed them and sent them back to their post as demigods. So he had so many points. Also he didn't want to, uh, he didn't want to, uh, Embarrassed Gandhari by her, by her curse not being coming true. So he accepted that for the sake of his pastor. But otherwise, he's not under the control of anybody. He's unchanging. Unchanging means he undergoes no material transformation. This is the point on this. The Upanishads distinguish spirit from matter. So the Supreme Spirit, he is not under any, not under any material transformation. They are they, because matter is, has six kinds of anything material has six kinds of transformations. Means birth, growth, sustenance, maintenance, production of byproducts, and death. So anything material goes through these changes. So the followers of the Upanishads they presume that what is spiritual uh, it, there's no, uh, there's no growth, there's no, there's no such transformation of any kind. Simply non-activity. They don't understand that on the spiritual platform there is also transformation, but the intrinsic nature is not changed. Therefore, it remains the same. Krishna appears to grow from a young child to a boy to a youth, 
But he intrinsically, he doesn't change. He remains the same. He's always Krishna. Again and again, he's coming in different universes. Same Krishna, same pastime, same Nanda, same Yashoda. So he's not changing. He remains always in his position of Shuddha Tattva. Whereas the materialist, the body is always, someone in the material world, changing. This body will change, 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 final change is death, and then you get another body which is completely different. It's, it's constant flux. But Krishna is not under any such change. It is very difficult for the, those who have an impersonal concept to understand. Those, have an, those who are attracted to that impersonal concept, they, uh, they can't recognize the supremacy of Krishna. But those who do understand that he is a person, the supreme absolute truth is a person, then uh, having come to that stage, they can gradually go up to the stage of appreciating his pastimes. These are very difficult for the non-devotees to understand. Even the impersonalists, they'll discuss them. The impersonalists, they discuss the pastimes of Krishna, but they cannot understand them. They think they're symbolic, or they think they're, they're supposed to represent some moral principle. And in this way, they, they consider themselves very pious, discussing the pastimes of Krishna, impersonalists. Uh, it's good for people to hear these, you see, Satkata, uh, excellent pastimes. So these are excellent pastimes to discuss, and the descriptions are there in the Bhagavatam. Sitam Prasam Gangamadeva Sangrade Bhaganti Vishkanya Vishayana Kata. How it's beneficial to hear the pastimes of Krishna. So non devotees also, in person, also read the Bhagavatam. He says, yes, it's beneficial to hear the pastimes of Krishna, because that will help us improve in our moral standards. They, they, they don't understand the, in, the intrinsic, independent position of Krishna, independent above the modes of nature. Actually, the, before anyone studies his Bhagavatam, he should study this first verse and accept it. Accept it at least in principle. Just like Prabhupada says, if you want to study Bhagavad Gita, then you should at least at first in principle accept the understanding of Arjuna, because he understood that. He understood people. So he, at least theoretically, you should accept that Krishna is the Supreme Person of God. Otherwise, you can't begin to understand. With such fools, Arjuna, he's accepted. Krishna spoke, and Krishna spoke to Arjuna with a specific purpose. And Arjuna, he asked Arjuna at the end, have you understood? Arjuna said, yes, I understand. Now I'm ready to fight on your order. So they presume that, well, maybe Arjuna understood it, but I'll understand it in a different way. And they don't understand. So in the same way to understand Srimad Bhagavatam, from the very beginning we should try to understand what are the meanings of these words. Huh? Abhigya, Swara, he's all cognizant and independent. What is the meaning of his being independent? Immediately we have to accept Krishna's different position, transcendental position, above the most material nature. Independent means, uh, he is the source of everything, of everything material and spiritual. He is all cognizant of that he is independent of it. He's not controlled by his creation. He's not controlled by it and he's not weak he's not weakened by it. He's not he doesn't become dissipated. He's avyaya. He doesn't become he doesn't lose any potency by creating it. 
the material world. So all these points get properly understood, then the greatness of Krishna is understood. Then his pastimes can begin to begin to be understood. You see people that are speaking Krishna's pastimes in the public place. Have no idea what is this philosophy. They must misunderstand absolutely assured they're going to misunderstand. And they do misunderstand Krishna. That's why Bhagavatam should be taken from the beginning. Not just pick up the tenth canto and hear some stories. Or what are you going to hear someone stealing butter? And there may be so many people stealing butter. But who is that stealing butter? He's the source of all the butter in the universe. He's, he's playing, taking people's wives. Yeah, but who, who is he? He is the supreme. He's the source of all of these gopis and their husbands. So where is the, uh, therefore, Amogalila? Is the pastimes there? There's no question of any sin or contamination. So this, that's why it said here, these pastimes of Krishna, they're described in the confidential parts of the Vedas, by the confidential devotees. Actually, this Srimad Bhagavatam, it's, it's not meant simply for just some light talk, discussion. It's like your friend coming. We want to, let's discuss Bhagavad Gita. As if it's just something, you know, it's just, you know, well, we could talk about the weather or the political situation. Let, let's talk about Bhagavad Gita. I'm a fan, I'm a great fan of the Gita. Let's just talk about it. But, all right, but what about, you want to, you can talk for hours and quote this verse and they love it. Intellectual fun. But what's the purpose? Go clean the floor of Krishna. That's Bhagavad Gita. Chant Hare Krishna. This is Bhagavad Gita. The rascals, they protest against Bhagavad Prabhupada Gita as it is. In so many purposes, Prabhupada is saying, you have to, the purpose of this verse is you should chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Ram. They protest. Where is that in the Gita? It's not Bhagavad Gita. Rascals. They don't know. Well, you should study all these things. Chan Hare Krishna. Then you can understand. It's very confidential. It's not just a matter, well, I'm going to go to university, so what shall I study? Can it be medicine, or law, or engineering, or... Couldn't get in any of those. Wasn't intelligent enough. Okay, well, there's still a place in the Indology and Philosophy Department. Okay, I'll study Bhagavad Gita. Let's see now. I'll become an expert on Bhagavad Gita. It's just like, you know, someone may study this, uh, the history of ancient France, or it's just something, you take the subject with all the facts and figures, and then you give some interpretation, and then you become a PhD. In the same way, you see, here's the Bhagavad Gita, and yes, Shankar's commentary, Ramanuja's commentary, Gandhi's commentary, and now it's time for my commentary. A new commentary. You see, there's the verses, and I studied Sanskrit. And you see, and this word can be interpreted this way and that way, and when it's grammatically juxtaposed with this, we could interpret it another way. And, uh, and I'm an expert in Sanskrit. The verses are there, I can also interpret it. Why not? Why not? Because you're already banned from the in the very beginning. Uh, banned by Krishna. 
Maya Akasita Jnana. You think you're intelligent, but you're in Maya. It's like Arjuna was in Maya, identifying with the body. First understand this point. But no, no, why should I understand that? Come on, I have to get my PhD. I think I'm not this body, how am I going to get a PhD? Just be serious about it. The purpose of life is to get a PhD, become famous as a scholar. So they miss the point. You can't understand Krishna. Even though they may be very learned. Still in India today, there are people who are very learned in Shastra. There are some people who are a little bit learned. Just like you're finding, now you're going among these professors. And many of them know the verses from Gita. They haven't got them. They don't know anything what the Gita is about. They have no idea. They completely misunderstand. Because they don't hear it from the right source, in the right system, with the right attitude. So the same thing, Srimad Bhagavatam, this is the exposition of, the, of all the Vedas. Whatever is expressed in the Gita, succinctly or concisely, is expressed in Srimad Bhagavatam in great detail. And even that, what detail is there? You see any words in Bhagavatam, that can again be described so much, it's unlimited. There's no end to Bhagavata, to explaining all these points. We can reach the end of explaining that. Therefore, Maharaj Kutu, we find, he was asking, you'll find in this Bhagavata, he's asking for the benediction of 10,000 years. This sounds like an unusual benediction. 10,000 years. So I can hear all the narrations of the devotees, because they all have so many different realizations about Krishna. You see, now we're having Bhagavatam class here, and there's so many ISKCON centers around the world, and there's so many classes going on throughout the day. So many different realizations of Krishna. That's unlimited. What are the realizations of Krishna? What are the understanding of Krishna? Of course, we want bona fide understanding, not imaginary. But bona fide, un- unbona fide understanding, they're also unlimited. But bona fide understanding, it's also. There are so many different points, especially disciples of Bhaktisthan Sarasvatthakur used to say that whenever he would sit and speak about Krishna, which he did regularly, which was his prescription for the ills of the world, Harikata, he should, he was, he'd have festivals of Harikata. And have a festival, seven day festival. What? Just like one lecture after another. So in Mayapur festival, in the beginning, that was what it was. All the devotees come to Mayapur, and the Prabhupada would give class in the morning, and then all day would be class. One semester, another semester, another semester. All day there would be class. Harikata festival. So Bhaktisthan Sarasachaka, every time he sat down, so many different New idea, new realization, so many different things in common. So Prithu Maharaj was in the question, how, how can we collect all this nectar? The Mayavadis, they simply want to make everything one, just one. You understood. Now I've understood Brahma and become one with Brahma. Thus, 
That's all. What is there to say? Huh? Undifferentiated, unending, unchanging.